Bonjour, hi, I'm Pascal Auclair. I hope this talk supports you in your practice. J'espère que cet enseignement vous sera aidant. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed. Vous pouvez me soutenir en cliquant sur le bouton sous ma photo. Your support is greatly appreciated. Merci. So I'll be sharing a few uh, ideas about the practice. I truly hope some of them, one of them, will be of use to one of you, at least. <laughs> um, so the first thing that came to mind earlier was uh, usually in the uh, opening uh, of the retreat, one of the traditional thing we talk about is uh, refuge or refuges and uh, last night we didn't talk about this but I, I thought it could be uh, nice to bring it uh, right away here and so in, uh, the Buddhist practice we have three refuges that we uh, we can take um, refuge in the Buddha the Dharma and the Sangha and uh, and I was thinking about this because uh, the practice we're doing It can be for some people a breeze, or it can be for some people a breeze some of the time. <laughs> But it can be also uh, not easy. You come on retreat, you know, you might have an image of a retreat, and you're like, oh my God, sit, walk, sit, walk, keep hammering the, <laughs> the phrases, you know. And uh, it, it, it can uh, become discouraging, or you can become a little confused at some point. It's possible anyway that for some of us that happens. And so, um, one uh, one thing that one can do is reflect on the refuges. Uh, and the way to do this in this context could be to, um, or at least that's how I do this. Is I think of uh, I think of the Buddha. I think that uh, there was uh, there is a possibility to develop this heart mind to such an extent that there's a profound. Uh, experience of freedom that has duration, is a freedom that uh, can become unconditional in a human being. So in this one too, it's possible. So just to, uh, for me, it, it brings, it inspires me, it brings me energy to think, God, it's possible to do this with a human life, to actually open the heart in such a way that it can actually radiate and uh, in the uh, in any circumstances and uh, feel deep connection uh, with the world so this is this can be done by a human being and the buddha was saying if it was not possible i would not even talk about it of course you know but because it is possible you know i spent time teaching and it did that for 45 years and uh, creating all kinds of tools and device and ways to understand and approach the practice and walk the path and so that can be inspiring to think of like okay so this is doable can I say that in English doable and so that's the first refuge one way to think about it for sure and uh, the second refuge the Dharma uh, the Dharma for me is uh, two ways that I would reflect on it today 
and did reflect on it is, uh, is actually there is uh, uh, there is kind of laws in the universe and uh, there's a law of cause and effect and uh, the Dharma says that if you apply your mind in a certain way if you um, what is the words of um, whatever you reflect upon uh, often will become the inclination of your mind and so there is a cause and effect when I put my energy in a certain direction in the direction of anger ill will uh, jealousy this is what I'm cultivating this is the environment that I'm creating the world that I'm creating uh, uh, hostile and if I put my mind and bend my mind invite my mind turn my mind and heart towards uh, Kindness, uh, fostering of ease, of uh, trust, uh, of benevolence, then uh, this is what will become my world, my inner experience at least. You know. And so, uh, and so for me, the ref- refuge in the Dharma is the fact, the fact that there is a cause and effect in the psychology of the mind. Uh, and neurology is proving this. You know, science is coming in now and saying, "Oh, yeah, there is neuroplasticity. It's possible that you actually uh, atrophy. Can I say this word? Like, make shrink the side of your brain that experience discontent. And it's possible that you grow, <laughs> expand the side of your brain or the areas of your brain that no." Uh, um, you know, goodwill and uh, compassion it's proven now uh, that this can be done and so that's a refuge to take uh, to say like okay it's, it's actually again doable Pe- people do it here is one guy you know, that's one of them because there's been several people who have done that and the science prove, says it's doable and the Dharma says it's doable. And then the third refuge is the Sangha. And the Sangha is beautiful because at the end of the weekend, the number of hours you will have put into this practice, chances are it would not have happened uh, alone, you know, at home. So the Sangha, uh, the translation of Sangha in French is community, the people who are doing the work. In this context, it's us. And so to reflect on this, to say like, wow, okay, so I, I was outside reflecting on this, like, I, at the moment where I would actually give up, I see that there are other people going back and forth, and I'm like, okay, I have to do this for them, and they're doing this for me, and then I, whoops, get back in the practice, and then find the flow again. And so uh, we're all kinds of, uh, kind of pillars for one another, and... Uh, so that's one way to reflect on the Sangha. And another way, much broader, is to think that uh, at least for 2,500 years, people are, have given this, these instructions and these methods and share them uh, from generation to generation. Uh, and not only the, the ideas around it, but the, uh, the realization, the making it 
uh, truth, you know, the v- verifying and and embodying it, uh, I- incarnation, you know, like in carne, meat, in the meat, they, they've made this. Uh, so for uh, thousands of years, people have uh, trained their mind and heart, and or if you don't like the word, you could use the word cultivate or uh, grow like this and one thing that one can do is feel it almost uh, physically as if all the generation were in your back like behind you all the people who develop these thoughts and these ways to practice they're all in a way here and as much as we actualize these teachings they're even more here because we become the incarnation of these teachings so it's a very noble thing to do. Uh, it's, it's actually the best thing, use of time that somebody can make to actually stop for one thing and feel what it is to be a human being and then care about this and then extend this to other pe- beings. Amazing. This is going to have amazing repercussions in your life and the lives of people around you, for sure. Anyway, here's a guy with faith talking. Um, so there was these few thoughts about uh, the three refuges. <clears throat> so you can you can reflect on this. These are known to be inspiring uh, uh, thoughts to um, brighten the mind, bring the mind up, and you might have other ways to do that too, and that's important. The, mile, the mind starts spiraling down. What are your ways to uh, to brighten the mind, keep it uh, keep it uh, alive and uh, res- responsive and uh, vital? Nature is definitely there for that. Here, it's beautiful. The river, the forest, the cold, the silence uh, might be. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes the silence can be a, can have a different effect on different people. Some people feel blessed in the silence, and some people feel as if there was a, the coming back of old taboos. You know, we don't talk about stuff. We don't look at each other, and it can be felt a little oppressive for some people sometimes. So become aware of this if it's like this for you, uh, and. Uh, Try to see how, in other ways, you can brighten up the mind. Fast walking, sometimes after a meal time or rest. Uh, Thinking of the people who uh, care about you and love you. It's a good way to, can be a good way to brighten the mind. Although you have to be careful with (coughs) the mind is a tricky little friend. You know, you're like, oh yeah, people who love me, that's going to inspire me. So people who care about me, there's this one, this one. But this one doesn't care about me so much anymore. <laughs> it can spiral down. <laughs> one has to be careful. Natalie Goldberg, I think she says, uh, your mind is uh, a dangerous neighborhood. Don't go there alone. Go there <laughs> accompanied with uh, mindfulness and much presence. You know, Otherwise you're like, oh, you can go down. 
that's why we bring uh, uh, the meta practice like this, the use of uh, it says to be a very wholesome way of, use, of using the thinking mind of uh, sending good wishes. Metta um, is uh, uh, is from the root of uh, mita. In, uh, another word in Pali we have is uh, kalyana mita, spiritual friend. Yeah? And so mita, metta, this is the friendliness. But it's a, it's a very different friendliness than the Facebook friendliness. Because <laughs> <laughs> this kind of fr- fr- friendliness is the... Uh, might not have so much warmth in it, and, and uh, uh, you know it, it can be very uh, lukewarm, or you know when you have four hundred friends, <laughs> you're not even sure who they are. <laughs> um, apparently, in the East, um, at least in the past, the notion of friend was very, very uh, charged, very rich. It was not like, oh yeah, he's my friend. Yeah, friend meant uh, a lot, meant uh, a lot of wanting the person to be uh, happy in a material way, but also in a spiritual way. A great uh, kind of uh, investment in the well-being of that person that we call the friend. So that's the kind of friendship maybe we're referring to uh, more, and also a friend, a friendship that. Uh, a friendliness that, um, uh, in a way, loses the, um, the 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 self as the point of reference. This this friendliness of the meta is not about uh, how I like you or uh, my relationship to you, or what I get from our relationship, or or. Uh, what I want you to become, so I feel good. Or it, it, it's not about this anymore. The point of self, the point of reference, self, kind of disappears. It's just a recognition uh, of the of the maybe something I was talking about this morning. The sen- sensitivity, the fact that, uh, and I'm not sure that what it means. A sentient being, the sentient being means that one feels. Is that the, the re- what it refers to? Yeah. So uh, that uh, the recognition that when there is life and sensitivity, it is f- uh, fragile and in a way beautiful, and uh, and uh, can easily be hurt. And so the wanting to take care about s- pockets of sensitivity that are here and here and here and here and there, recognizing. Uh, as uh, Shanti Deva, I think, says, uh, or I'm paraphrasing most of the time, uh, says, um, if happiness is so important to every one of us, why is it that I'm so focused on mine and the happiness of the people just around me, my, my tribe or family? If happiness is so equally important to everyone, why did I get this strange twist in my mind that it's this one that is most important? This is an interesting question to ponder upon, I think. So, uh, <coughs> metta is um, 
part of uh, these four Brahma Viharas. Many, many of you might know of this, but uh, uh, the Brahma Viharas, uh, it's, the translation is the abodes of uh, Brahman. And my understanding of it is at um, the time of the Buddha, uh, there was some uh, people who uh, believed that the best place where they could find themselves was with uh, Brahman in a kind of paradise, in Brahma's uh, home, you know, and, uh, and to go be with him. Uh, it was a god. And... Uh, and uh, they were describing the, uh, the, uh, the mansion, his mansion, his abode, and the, and the Buddha was a bit of a what would be the word here? He was a bit of a revolutionary, we could say, he, uh, and he had a good sense of humor, also apparently. And he was uh, reusing a lot of the ideas that people had about religion and freedom at that time. And he was taking the ideas and giving them, giving them a good twist. And so he was saying to people, oh, you, you want to hang out with uh, Brahma? So let me tell you where, uh, where you can find it and what his mention looks like. And here are the Brahma Viharas. Have benevolence in your heart, loving kindness you'll be with Brahma. This is the best experience of life. Best experience of uh, being is uh, having benevolence. And the, the other qualities that we mentioned also briefly this morning when we did the, this chant is, uh, so there's this basic quality of the heart uh, when it's uh, unsoiled, unperturbed, unstained, uh, uh, unchained, not fettered. Okay, Pascal. We <laughs> uh, <laughs> <you> got it. <laughs> so when the heart is free and open, it uh, naturally has a wish for the well-being of beings, this one included. And uh, so that's a natural thing. And when this natural wish for well-being encounters uh, difficulties, suffering, then it becomes this second quality of compassion, of, of caring, of wanting to alleviate, alleviate suffering. So it's the same benevolence turning towards the difficult. And so we say in compassion, the heart, uh, the heart trembles when it touches the suffering. Inside this one or that one, at this point there's not much uh, differentiation that is made. Here is suffering and there's a caring that is automatically there when there's no uh, disturbances in the heart. In the same way, when this benevolence, goodwill, meets uh, uh, something that is uh, success-like or joyful or, or that works well, then the natural, in the natural way, in a spontaneous way, would just rejoice. But we see that it's not always what happens, no? Sometimes it just closes down because what does it mean about me that somebody's life is going well like this, that they got that, you know? And so envy, comparing mind comes in and it, it can be get twisted in all sorts of ways. Jealousy and uh, dis, even despair can come in and, and uh, you know, and even cruelty, like I, 
I hope they'll lose it, you know, because life is much harder than that, and they don't deserve it. And you know, there, there can be all kinds of uh, things that happen. But naturally, if there's no stains, no uh, misunderstanding, it, it would rejoice. So that's the third quality of the heart, mudita, or the capacity to rejoice. Uh, and then the fourth quality is this equanimity, the, the stability of the heart that uh, uh, doesn't fall into extremes when there is uh, pain, or when there is uh, success. It doesn't... Uh, it stays very grounded and stable. And so this equanimity assures uh, that the metta will have uh, death and duration. Uh, it, it's going to be... Um, it's not going to be like uh, volatile and uh, unstable and, uh, you know, shows up by chance once in a while. Or, you know, it's going to become much more of a unconditional unconditional and uh, and even uh, words uh, and I, uh, such as immeasurable are presented they say this quality of meta can become immeasurable um, and so the equanimity uh, the stability of mind is what uh, and heart that what helps these qualities to um, to uh, continue to grow and become more and more powerful. So these are the four uh, qualities uh, of heart. The Brahma Vihara is the place where Brahma uh, uh, hangs out. It's known that uh, for Metta there are um, um, a near and a far enemy, or near and far enemies. And the near enemy is something that um, a quality of mind that uh, <coughs> resemble could resemble, and we could get mistaken between uh, the loving kindness and another form of uh, what we call love. Often, and the far enemy is an enemy that you recognize from very far. So, okay, that's not certainly not it. And so, ill will is the far enemy, and you can see it from a di- from a very long distance. You see, it's not. Uh, not the same quality of mind. And uh, it says that uh, it's important to um, uh, meditate on this and reflect on this, think about this, and uh, have these qualities, these four Brahma Viharas, inform and guide our actions and speech. And so one of the ways to reflect on the on the metta and its far enemy, uh, dosa, or anger, ill will, uh, hatred is to uh, to look at the list I have here a list of uh, the benefits of meta some of the known classic benefits of meta and the dangers of uh, of uh, hatred and uh, they also I think come from uh, partly for sure from this uh, um, text that I mentioned yesterday written uh, 1,500 years ago, the, the path of purification. And so uh, it says that uh, uh, hatred uh, brings devastation and burning and breaking. That's kind of its function, is to break things apart, to destroy, to uh, create havoc. 
And uh, metta is more <coughs> uh, cooling and refreshing and brings cohesion. Uh, metta and the four other uh, Brahma Viharas. Actually, these four Brahma Viharas are known to be always uh, excellent. They're, they're always good, uh, especially in social environment. They can always bring good because they can heal wounds, uh, promote understanding, promote uh, friendliness in a culture that might be very individualistic. Uh, uh, yeah, for many reasons, there's, there's actually no reason not to uh, feel uh, the presence of the stability of heart and, and the capacity to rejoice, compassion and, uh, and, uh, and uh, bonté or benevolence. <clears throat> And so, uh, in the, the the ill will part here, it says, "You don't know any more uh, good from bad action." Huh? When you're really charged with this very hot uh, anger, it's very hard to discern what is good and what is bad, and uh, um, what is legal or not. That's what it says in the text. You can even forget what is legal or not. It can go that far. Uh, you can completely mi- mixed true from false. And uh, we see this, that when we're angry, everything becomes black and white, and we can totally forget the nuances, forget that this, no, yeah, th- this little part happened too. No, you know, that doesn't fit my story right now. <laughs> you know, so I forget about this, and we forget the true or false, and we might start talking about somebody in ways that are not actually true. And when we calm down, we might see like, God, that was not an actual description of the person, you know, that was that was far out. Um, and so we forget also about cause and effect. And so we'll do things, and then we'll say, oh, you know, I didn't think it would have had such an impact on you that I said that or did that, or we feel entitled. Uh, so we say uh, there can be multiplication of enemies, risk of making several uh, uh, big mistakes, uh, lose dignity, lose friends. S- uh, we become slave to these states of mind under their spell. They can, uh, they have this also this way of uh, uh, self-promoting themselves, these, these states of mind. They, they really uh, work at uh, convincing you uh, that it's true and making it even stronger. Uh, risk of losing appetite, risk of losing sleep, uh, risk of paying fines, receive punish- punishment, uh, fall prey to confusion, torment of the mind, feel remorse, agitation, shame, resentment. So that's short list. <laughs> so... So you see, for yourself, it's something worthwhile. You know, you want to reflect on the danger of uh, um, of, uh, of uh, hatred, and uh, and in all its forms, huh? because it can show up. You know, you might think, "Oh, hatred! That's you know, not us here." You know, but uh, it it can show up in very subtle ways, uh, uh, bringing somebody down, uh, looking for a little vengeance in one little apparently generous uh, line, you know, or something we say. 
And so we have to become aware of this. Not to guilt trip and add another layer of judgment, because that's also an expression of ill will, or to judge oneself or criticize oneself, just to become uh, aware of the danger of what I'm doing right now. It brings, uh, it can bring in uh, uh, a little bit of heat in the practice. It feels hot when I realize uh, uh, two of the qualities that can come are uh, hiri and otapa. These are uh, Pali words, but uh, one is uh, the fear of the consequences of what I'm about to do or say. They say these are guardians, the two guardians of this world. It's when I'm, I think like I'm about to do something and I just think, you know, it, how it would feel having done that and then fear arises. Or the other quality is the, the, the shame of thinking that if I, I did that, how I would feel the fear of the consequences of, or just the shame of thinking ahead uh, and so that they say these can prevent us on the other hand um, the benefits of uh, metta and um, kindness and here I want to say we don't want to be mistaken that kindness means we're all going to become like <laughs> you know all like nice nice you know it, it's not this is not the depth of this quality it's not that uh, with metta, with kindness, and with the profound acknowledgement that uh, beings uh, are uh, deserving of respect and care, there can be a lot of clarity that can come, a lot of very clear communication. It can it can be uh, with uh, it can give the power to actually express boundaries very very clearly, you know for the welfare of all beings included in the, in the conflict that might be arising. Or, and so uh, sometimes even there's the, uh, the image of a sword that is used for uh, metta or compassion. You know? So it doesn't mean all the... Uh, what was the word this morning? Wushiwashi. It could, it could mean uh, pleasant and uh, soft and but it can, it can have, uh, we don't know actually what uh, color it might have because it's hidden in the intention. It's not uh, exactly in the, uh, in the form it takes. It's, it's in the intention that comes out. And sometimes it can, it can come out uh, in a surprising way. But, uh, so anyway, the benefits uh, would be... Um, one uh, falls asleep easily, one sleeps well, one wakes uh, rested. Um, there was um, the first time I, when I learned about this uh, the practice, the Buddhist practice meditation and all vipassana and metta practice, I was in Thailand and there was a, a uh, in the monastery, a monk that was there, a young monk, and he was the one teaching the metta, and he was very, very bright and happy, and uh, um, and he was always smiling and going around. And he was saying, "Do metta. If you do metta, the the chicken will love you, and the <laughs> snakes will love you, and the scorpions will love you." And uh, so, in the classic benefit, it says that humans will love you if you have uh, if 
you have metta inside your heart, it's going to be almost, we could say, radiating out. And we know that because we know people who have this naturally uh, or through the development of their practice in the Buddhist setting or in any other setting. Because that quality of heart, these quality of heart and mind, certainly don't belong to Buddhism. They belong to the human heart. They belong to wisdom. So they're, they're available through uh, different ways. You know, this is one way, one framing of these qualities, you know, for Brahma-viharas and all that. But they, they can find their way uh, in, in other organization, <laughs> you know. Um, so, but it says that human will love you and animals will love you. And uh, also uh, in the Buddhist cosmology, we say a- angel, devas, will love you and protect you. And, uh, and the classic uh, benefits also, it says that you won't be harmed by uh, poison, weapons, or fires. And um, at the moment, or close to the moment of death, there will be peace of mind instead of regret, remorse, agitation, justification, uh, closing down, uh, confusion, doubt. There will be ease, so one will die peacefully. Not, not, uh, not a small benefit, I think. Um, plus, clearly, it uh, can help reduce resentment, uh, reduce <coughs> agitation. Um, and there's several other benefits, especially if we bring in the aspect of uh, the concentration aspect. That is part of this practice, the way it's taught here, with the three or four sentences that we keep repeating and the applying of the mind. These two qualities of aiming the attention and sustaining the attention, that's what we do. So we bring the image of a person or we feel ourselves here as a human being and we direct and direct again the the phrases and we sustain the, the intention these are very uh, powerful, just these two, aiming and directing attention in life can be very useful. It avoids uh, confusion, scatteredness, uh, can uh, be, uh, make one become very efficient. Because when you can sustain attention, uh, you, you can become, uh, you have a powerful mind. And so with this will come, uh, you know, determination, strengthening of determination and uh, perseverance and uh, all this, but also as we practice, and if we keep doing it, not forcing, but keep doing it again and again, not the stop and go practice, you know, take a break, dream about this, then let's get back. We see this kind of practice, a stop and go, is actually very difficult because you have to, uh, it's more like a launch, launching a, a rocket. You know, you have to put so much energy again to have it leave the earth, you know. And so uh, the launching energy we're putting in, uh, you know, this morning was a lot of launching energy. So uh, and at some point, oops, we get out of the, further away from the gravitation of the, and, and there's more uh, momentum that can build. But... Uh, what can happen with the development of concentration in the metta practice? Because metta is one of 40 uh, classic ways to develop concentration. Uh, 
there's several other ways, uh, 14, <laughs> but I won't get into them. Um, so, and in this way, we, uh, we have this juggling act that I talked about with the three aspects of seeing a person, of having them clearly to mind, the felt sense of them, the phrases and the intention. This builds concentration. When we, when concentration is basically several moments uh, of presence stuck together. In the case of metta, it's several moments of having the intention or the, the wish for the well-being. When there are several moments like this, you might have had them already. Uh, what happens is they when they they're stuck together, there's no gap where the mind can. Uh, get lost in uh, the different uh, difficulties that can arise in the mind. And when they're stuck together, uh, the mind becomes protected, even if it's just for a few seconds or a few minutes, and later for several minutes, several hours, the mind can get uh, secluded uh, from the difficult emotions because there's only goodwill in the mind, goodwill and mindfulness, goodwill and mindfulness, which are wholesome qualities of mind. And it says that when one has metta in the mind, at the moment of feeling metta, there cannot be uh, something like uh, uh, hatred, dosa in the mind. It's not possible to have the two at the same time or to have a, a kind of greed, desire for something else that is not here. It's not possible. When there's metta, that's the only thing that is there in the mind. And sometimes we feel like, oh, but uh, my experience is that I have the two. It's because the metta is very shaky and it disappears every for, for half a second, and you know, it, and uh, comes in uh, something else, sometimes less wholesome. An Im- image that is used is uh, uh, of a, a, a bowl full of water, and so it says when when your attention on metta is um, is staying there. Uh, it's as if the ball of water was full. Nothing else can come in. But if uh, there's not this concentration, it's like the ball being empty. Anything can come can can come in. Uh, and so we want to foster this by applying the mind gently, but clearly, again and again. And if we get to have this experience of seclusion, even if it doesn't last very long, it's. Uh, really uh, transform uh, both the heart and the mind. It transforms the mind in the way, the way I understand it anyway, is that suddenly it's like, oh, there's a whole other way to live where uh, the difficult emotions are kept at bay. So, and it transformed the heart. Uh, these are images, of course, because we could talk neurology here. But it creates new pathways in the brain, you know. And so uh, chances are that there's going to be a groove that is going to get deeper and deeper, and the mind will like fall. It, it might become a default setting. Instead of the default setting being worried, being looking for excitement, being agitation, the default might become caring. Caring is very, very... Uh, it's a nice groove to be in. <laughs> Uh, it's also presented as a protection because when the mind is uh, uh, caring has gotten used to caring it's its default it's protected it's not going to take all the other direction that are you know 
what Natalie Goldberg was saying, your mind is a dangerous area, a neighborhood, you know. Uh, you're protected from that. So it's a protection that is not like an armor, but a, a very soft shell. It's a way to look at the world that is, uh, that is wholesome, where hostility falls away. There can still be clarity. That's the beauty of it. It's, it's not blinding. Oh, we're all beautiful. No. There's a, there's a capacity to see what's going on, to have a crit- critical mind, but not a judging mind, not a closing mind. And the mind also that is still uh, uh, as available to it, creativity, spontaneity. Uh, of course, these <coughs> we have to see for ourselves. Uh, the whole idea is to to see, uh, to, to, to make it be experienced in our life. And it's very, uh, very possible. Maybe it's important to say also that there is an aspect of this practice that we're doing that you might uh, recognize of uh, purifying. So it means that stuff might come up, you know, as we're doing this. So in a way, uh, you know, we uh, the, the concentration is we we tend towards a continuity in the practice, but what comes from the side here and there. Uh, can be strong emotions or resentment or uh, self-hatred or things can can come up uh, as we start also practicing with bringing other people in you know so we're like, oh my benefactor inspirational person I'm going to take this person and then two minutes within the saying the phrases and sending the wishes it might go really well but it could be that yeah but two years ago you know, and the mind gets uh, hooked by a, an old story again. So in this way we call, we talk about purification. Things come to the surface and it might be a, a good time to see how I can release this. Uh, and we'll talk more about, uh, about this tomorrow, but just to acknowledge that it might happen. So for now I would say, if it's not too charged what arises... Uh, like a little boredom, or you forget the person, or you forget what you're doing. You just come back to the to the practice, aim, and try to sustain again. Uh, but if if there's a charge, it's very uh, it's very intense. There's intensity. Then uh, um, I'm thinking those of you who know vipassana practice, inside practice, can just uh, become aware of what. What's this experience here now? What is to feel down? What is it to feel anxiety? What is it to feel uh, to feel boredom? You know, intense boredom. Uh, and just to get to know this in the body, how it feels to be like this here now. And maybe compassion will arise. You know, oh, here is a human being feeling something difficult, trembling of the heart. You know. Oh, not easy to feel this. So at all costs, we want to avoid getting in the story. Getting in the story is not the way we're going to go about things here. We don't want to do this. It might be helpful in different settings, somewhere else. But here the method we're going for is not getting into the story. 
that really happened and I shouldn't have, and all this no just um, if it's difficult I would say just uh, realize that it's difficult to feel what you feel that's in the way of befriending oneself you know becoming a friend to oneself so as if I was with a friend and they were like I'm completely upset about this that happened two years ago huh? I'd say hey it's, it's hard to feel this huh? it's not easy to feel this so I would not want to encourage like yeah tell me yeah they were you were really bad you know or, no it's just like oh okay this this is hard when you get in these spots in life it's not easy so you just hang out with oneself like this in a caring way if it's possible So what can happen in the in this practice is exactly also like inside practice for those who know that other practice is um, these five kind of uh, uh, challenges uh, to, to meditation can arise. They're called hindrances. So it's good to recognize them when they're there. So uh, the, the, the classic things that happens and you will re- recognize some uh, is that the... the Tiredness, not having enough energy to connect with the, the practice. So it's the same energy that uh, can show up in our life when, like, oh, I can't do this next task or phone call or like, there's no, there's no connecting. It's like there's not the energy. So, uh, so this can happen here. There can also be real tiredness, you know, because uh, we come from a busy world and it's first day of uh, silence. Maybe this heat in here. And you can, like, uh, so that can happen. It can be good to bring up the energy. And remember that you want to be engaged. It's three days or four days. You really want to try this practice. So to re- uh, set the intention of, again clearly, you know, like if you realize, uh, it's like, hey, okay, I re- actually really want to do this. So it might mean that I'm actually going to open my eyes or stand up uh, to be present. If you feel the need to, the Buddha suggests to um, uh, practice in front of a well or a, or a cliff <laughs> to bring the energy up. Um, walking in a more brisk way, you know, if you're like walking outside and like, may I be happy. And, you know, and at some point you realize you're not even saying the right sentences anymore. You know, you're, you're, it's, you know, it's like, so may, may I be home? No. <laughs> I had the thought of going home, but suddenly it found its way in the, in the sentences. You know, it means like the vitality is not, is not there. So how can, I, how can I bring some vitality back? So that's one of the, the energy that can show up and we want to really address this because that's also what um, uh, hinders our life. Also, this sometimes like, uh, hey, full life. I'm really interested in a full life. How can I bring more fullness in this? Because this energy is is a killer. It's actually not helping anything, you know. So it's it's good to realize that uh, this 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 is not. Uh, uh, the best energy that I can be with. So I don't want to entertain this uh, at least, you know, be, just become aware of that. Uh, and sometimes there's nothing we can do, and that's okay also. We don't want to add judgment on top of it. So, And I see uh, monks and nuns also do this. So they'll sit to practice and then 
there's like a kind of 15 minutes kind of a slight napping going on and after you might feel like whoops it was just that there was a passage of uh, it was biology you know there was a energy was low low and it refreshed itself you know that's quite okay so <clears throat> and if there is too much energy agitation might be present in the mind it's good to recognize this you know and then uh, in the case of this practice here i would say um really become very clear about the sentences and stick to the, the phrases. Like, almost chew them as you're, you know, know the meaning of each word as you say them. Because the mind is, uh, needs more like a feeling, you know. Like, okay, may you be happy. Do uh, some kind of speech uh, exercise with the... <laughs> um, do you say pronounce in English? Like pronounce the, the word fully and feel, feel the words. It could be one way maybe to go about this. The other thing that we might, uh, might happen that we need to rea- realize it's there, it's this wish for something else. Wish to be somewhere else. Uh, you know, anything about fantasizing, thinking about something else, very important to notice this. This is in our life too. It's that's what keeps us from being fully in our life when we think about something. It has this quality of uh, uh, showing uh, showing you like something else where happiness is is. But the actual experience is a, an experience of lack. It's a direct experience of what I want is not here. But it's seducing. It's like yeah. The, the, the happiness is is there when you get this, or if this was here, or, but it's 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 mental formations, generations of the mind, productions of the mind, fiction. It doesn't actually exist. Do I want a life made up, or do I want real life? That's a good question to ask oneself. You know, so it's a kind of dead end. One of my teachers say it's just a dead end because in the end you're going to fall back on this cushion and you're going to have to start the whole machine again, you know? <laughs> so why not say like, hey, realize, oh, there's uh, there's this fantasizing going on. I, I want to become aware of this. This is what I do. And I might do this at, at other places in my life. It's not serving me in the end. Uh, sometimes uh, the other thing that show up is resistance. In the same way that I want to be something, I might resist something that is here, you know, want the bell to ring, want uh, the walking to finish. So if this is happening, just become fully aware of this. Okay, I mean, there's resistance here. There's a resistant modality inside. And it's good to be conscious of this. And I think we could turn uh, right, right there. It's a good uh, opportunity to bring compassion. Oh, not easy to be uh, stuck where I don't want to be, you know. What is this experience of feeling stuck where I don't want to be? This is a beautiful opportunity to develop compassion. This happens to human beings a lot of the time. That's the nature of this reality that we're often separated from what we are because we don't have control over everything. So we're often, it's going to happen in life. It comes with life that we're separated from what we want often. And so when it happens, to engage with it, say, oh, 
this is how it feels. This actually is a connection to the uh, uh, to all the other human beings. That's what I have. That is uh, that I have in common with other beings. That I'm often separated from what I want. And so to to stop and feel this, this is rich. This is a rich event. We tend to think that's something I don't want, but it's a rich event. Okay. Yeah. And the fifth hindrance that uh, can show up in practice is um, is uh, doubt. And doubt, I think I addressed some uh, at the beginning of the talk, talking about the f- three refuges. So I'm not sure... Um, Doubt. There's a kind of doubt that is um, that has intelligence in it, where I'm not sure that this works, but I'm checking it out. So there's still energy involved, you see. But there's a kind of doubt that can actually. I could spend the whole weekend doubting, let's say, the practice, and then it would be just immobility, no moving forward. No, it's just like it stops. So we call it a hindrance. This version of doubt because it's what can stop you in your life. And you might f- experience this at other places. There's a kind of doubt that is a, that is a, has interest in it. It's investigative, I want to say. It's like, oh, I'm not sure about this, but I stay engaged, I go see further. Yeah. So that, that's a wholesome kind of intelligence. But they're the like, oh, I'm not sure, I'm not sure, and there's nothing happening. There's nothing happening. And so we have to realize this. Okay, that's that's not the best place to be here. Can I can I bring a, a different kind of doubt, a wholesome doubt that uh, makes me curious? Actually, might may even make me creative. Ah, oh, I'm not sure about this way that Pascal talked. Let me try it that way. Okay, so do that like this. Then then you're engaged. You're trying another version uh, where I don't know uh, what it could be. Also brings me to say that. There is a space for creativity in this uh, practice of metta. I'm, I, I'm showing you uh, the classic way that was taught to me and that's been very helpful to me, and also so you know the classic version. But uh, you might have your own way of uh, developing the metta. That's why I, earlier I was saying, maybe you don't use the phrases, because there's enough of something happening in you, enough richness, and you're in the ballpark and the phrases seem too much. Uh, but the thing that we would want to balance is that we wouldn't want to fall into a kind of agitation that we think of as creativity. Oh, I go this way for 30 seconds, and 45 seconds that way, and now I'll try this, and I'll go to my room and make it a drawing. I'll make drawing me- meta, <laughs> and journaling meta. <laughs> you know, and, and then in the end, many things happen, but nothing happens. Because you know? <laughs> it was just... Uh, Agitation being expressed uh, in this way, you know, so so it needs a lot of discernment when we get in the realm of creativity. Uh, there has to be like a feeling like I really actually want to try this. This is calling me, or it's actually happening, you know, and that's where it's going. And uh, and, and in terms of creativity, uh, I'm also going to bring different ways. Like the sweeping this morning was. Uh, not exactly a classic way to do meta, but just to uh, help open, offer different versions. So then, uh, some version you're going to connect with, and but also it might open up your mind to your own way of do, doing this. 
But if you have in mind to develop concentration, it's very good to stay close to the classic practice. if there are any questions about the practice up to now any confusion so I'd like to invite you to um, you can stay in your posture the posture you're in now and just uh, closing your eyes Maybe we'll do a little uh, contemplation. by reading this uh, little poem from uh, Galway Canal. It's called Saint Francis of the Sow. Sow being a female uh, pig. I know there's a few French Canadian in here. The bud bud stands for all things, even for those things that don't flower, for everything flowers from within, of self-blessing, though sometimes it is necessary to reteach a thing its loveliness, to put a hand on its brow of the flower and retell it in words and in touch, it is lovely. Until it flowers again from within, of self-blessing, as St. Francis put his hand on the creased forehead of the sow and told her in words and in touch, blessings of earth on the sow. And the sow began remembering all down her thick length from the hearthen snout all the way uh, through the fodder and slops to the spiritual curve of her tail. From the hard spininess spiked out from the spine down through the great broken heart to the sheer blue milky dreaminess spurting and shuddering from the fourteen tits into the fourteen mouths sucking and blowing beneath them. She began remembering the long, perfect loveliness of the sow.
Sometimes it is necessary to reteach a thing its loveliness until it flowers again from within of self-blessing. I would like to invite you for a moment or two to reteach yourself your loveliness. And maybe take another moment to reteach yourself the loveliness of all beings. May all beings flower from within and from self-blessing. Thank you for your attention and uh, bon appétit. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.